Welcome back to Conspiratorial Conspiring. This is Ryan, and today we have a special episode. We have Legal Man from the Quash. Legal Man is a self-certified master practitioner of the law. He gave himself that title over 30 years ago, and we're happy to have him here tonight. What's up, Legal Man? Oh, not too much. Thank you. Good to be here. So I want to get straight to brass tacks. So we were talking right before we started recording about how a lot of people think that the Constitution is this magical document. But the, the first thing is the revolution, right? I mean, I don't even know what to specifically think about the revolution that a ragtag group of guerrilla fighters took down one of the greatest empires to ever be on the face of the earth. I, I don't know if you know any more about that situation being like just a complete fabrication yeah, I, you know, I wonder about the story we've gotten about the so-called revolution and what went on. Um, since I'm not really a super huge history buff, I've looked through it, and I think there's a lot of questions. I know a lot of people think, oh, we, we actually lost the war, and there's a, the treaty is such and such from something. We're supposed to raise reparations. We're still actually part of the crown and all this stuff. You know— those are the kinds of details that I just rarely get into. I would say that I just, the way I usually approach things like that is I, I just use the official narrative. Just, just take the official narrative I'm given, and then I point out the reasons why, even with the official narrative, none of the stuff holds together or makes any sense. Uh, regardless of whether or not the official narrative is true or not, that the official narrative itself doesn't hold any water. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. A lot of people talk about, especially this guy, Dean Henderson, he's talked about how, um, like, we're still under the rule of the crown. Right. And how, like, everything comes out of the city of London and everything like that. So right. I, I always wonder, I'm just like, well, did they just set us up with this fake, phony narrative and all of these uh, Freemasonic leaders of ours banded together and took down the the evil, tyrannical English state, which I, I actually saw some more on this. I think most people at the time were just like, what the fuck do you mean revolution? Like, we got it pretty good right now. Like, sure, we're doing 3% tax, but I mean, they'd be rolling in their graves if they saw what was going on right now yes. in terms of taxes. Well, I think that the story about why we had a revolution is obvious nonsense. This idea that they put a tax on the tea and they blew a gasket, that's not true. Uh, clearly, it traces, it was all a land scam. And the, it's uh, to the extent that we're under crown rule or whatever, they wouldn't leave a paper trail like, like they claim to have, which I think it's like the Treaty of Ghent or some crap that they claim traces back and proves re that we lost because we agreed to pay them reparations. Or, or it's, just, it's a very complicated argument. And like I said, I don't get into it normally because it's really totally unprovable. And it, it, to the extent I'm trying to reach people, 
Um, I don't I don't use those kinds of arguments because I think they're totally ineffective to the extent that I enjoy the uh, intellectual uh, conspiratorial side of them. Yeah, I talk about them all the time with friends and everything else. But to the extent I use them to try to reach the people we need, I don't I don't do that because it's there's nothing I can point to. I like I like things that are logical. They're simply undeniable. The the best proof you can ever have of anything. It's not. It's not like eyewitness testimony. It's, it's logic. See, because logic can't be wrong. <laughs> if it's logic, you can't be wrong. Witnesses can be wrong. They can be paid off. The, the documents can be forged. It, there's all sorts of other problems you can have with direct evidence. But when it comes to the revolution itself, it was a land scam. The, the, the king forbid further settlement beyond the Appalachian Mountains in like the 1760s, the late 1760s kind of thing. And right then is when they started fomenting all the uh, problems. Because all the people who were involved in our revolution, they had huge land holdings and speculative land holdings out beyond the Appalachian Mountains. And everybody knew that this was a limited time offer. You got to get out there and stake your phony baloney claim and file your phony baloney documents in some phony baloney place of the government so that you can have the armies back you up if, when, and as the thing ever became necessary. And if you didn't get out there, someone else was going to get out there and they're going to take your stuff and then you're going to be out of luck. And these, this land, everybody understood that was the deal. And so I, I think the idea that it was something else is probably similar to the idea of the way they get people to go fight our wars today and every other war under false pretenses. And so was the average poor guy who's who's sitting around freezing his ass off in Valley Forge, uh, was he was he a believer in the so-called revolution? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he believed in that. Maybe he's the same kind of guy that thinks we're going to go over to fight terror in Afghanistan. It's the same kind of thing. I feel bad for him. Um, they just they get suckered in. But I, I think that there's a lot of reasons why that conspiratorial side uh, is probably not true. There's another reason, which is the original 13th Amendment, right? Everybody's heard about that who's into any kind of conspiratorial thing. And it's not even a conspiracy. It, I think it's pretty damn clear it's true. That guy wrote that whole book. He's got all the documents that just make it clear as day. It was in the West Point manual for like 45 years listed as an amendment and then it disappeared and they never numbered the amendments until uh, the 13th amendment after the Civil War. All the other times they weren't numbered and then they started numbering. Well, why would you start numbering? Well, because you got to throw every people off that there was already a 13th and so you got to get rid of it out of the history books, erase it out and that a lot of people believe that was the reason for the War of 1812. So if we were really this whole this whole thing that we were under their rule and everything else, um, none of that would make sense. So those are two contradictory, in my opinion, contradictory so-called conspiracy theories. I, obviously, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but uh, I think that the conspiracy theories are normally true, but I don't believe in calling them conspiracy theories. It's just these alternative, alternative theories, these revisionist theories, um, you know, these two conflict. And so what's actually going on? I don't know. I know this much that what we got after the Revolutionary War was something that the if we had lost that the crown would not have wanted, which is the Articles of Confederation. That's what we got after the war. And it was a Dude, massively. Perfect. 
I right. wanted to ask you about that. Because, yeah, it was a I mean, massive. That's before the Constitution, and even in the official history books, they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, we had to do away with the Articles of Confederation oh, yeah. because there were warring among the states, and right. there was there was just too much freedom." <laughs> right, All right. It's the it's the tip to me. It's the typical uh, Goldilocks deal they always use, which is the king. Oh, that was too much oppression. Uh, Articles of Confederation. Oh, that was too much liberty. Oh, the Constitution. There you go. That's just right. That's what we need right there. And so it's a load of crap. And people, because history is, everybody learns about history, regardless of how poor the, and everything we're told about history is lies. But you, you hear about history in these huge, long chunks. You know, all oh, the war, the roses and all this. It's like, this is hundreds of years worth of stuff. And they can, they condense it down into like a, a paragraph. It's like, oh, what do you remember about it? Uh, not much. As, and the the post-revolution is the same thing, the Articles of Confederation. So if we had lost the war, there's no way they would have uh, had us implement the Articles of Confederation. That's just a very loose confederation. The, the centralized government had very little control. And it ran for quite a few years. You know, it's like the equivalent of the time from, say, uh, Obama's uh, inauguration to now kind of thing. That kind of time frame is when it was kind of running. Well, that's a long time, right? I mean, a normal human being's life, that's a long time. Yeah, in the scope of history, they just write it off as a blip. But when you think back to kind of living through that period of time, that's, that's not nothing. And most of the people who were involved in the Declaration of Independence, very few of them, they're then involved in the writing of the Constitution. It's, it's not the same. They talk about the founding fathers. They mash them all together like it's just one unified group. It's not. It's not. And so when you have the Articles of Confederation, which is a very loose confederation of states, and then you have the Constitution. Now, the Constitution itself, that was a massive scam, huge coup. Uh, just a load of crap. Now, that thing was packed with the king's agents and everybody around it. I uh, don't doubt they wanted us to have that constitution for sure. Uh, that I don't. That I would not doubt because everybody involved in that thing who was pushing it was ultimately a uh, traitor to the cause of freedom. There's no doubt in my mind about that one. No doubt. There's no way anybody who has anything on the ball, who sees that kind of thing coming down the pike that close to a revolutionary war when there was zero demand for it. Everybody knows what that was. Anybody, well, Samuel Adams, right? I mean, all these people, they all knew uh, the stuff that was going on. And uh, uh, Patrick Henry, he refused to go because he smelled a rat in Philadelphia. He was the Constitutional Convention supposed to be going. And he said, I'm not going. He smells a rat. He knows it was crap. Mm, and I've, I've been reading this book called uh, Hidden History by Don Jeffries, from 1776 to 1963, and then he has another book from 63 till present. But, you know, he details Benjamin Franklin and how, like, at the time, there were a bunch of rumors of ritual sacrifice going on in his home in London because uh, they excavated his home. Yeah, they found all those they... baby bodies in his damn yard. Yes, what yes, the hell's the explanation fa- for that crap? <laughs> well, they say that it was autopsies. You know, okay, he was, he was, a, he was a medical man, and he had to figure out how to, you know. He accidentally things. electrocuted them all with his kite. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> Dude, oh, my God. The myths around Benjamin Franklin astound me, like. He, he was just like this low life piece of shit, and then he's just like putting a key on a kite and like holding it out there. I'm like, this is such a fairy tale. Like nonsense. most of the shit that they give us, <laughs> nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Yes, but we have no idea. I mean, 
the guy was picked. He's off in France, you know, screwing around in Paris. And he was obviously a known philanderer and everything else. Not that I personally care less. That's that's fine. That's his own business. But it does speak to the man's character and his trustworthiness. I mean, it's, did he have an open relationship with his wife? Well, apparently they were covering it all up during the time he was alive. So, no. I mean, if if you want to live your life any way you want, that's fine. But why do you have a bunch of bodies in your yard? I, that's <sighs> and he had monopoly on the on the press, right? I mean, he oh, owns yes. yeah, making a fortune off all that. that crap. I mean, it's it's such a silly kind of you know ten year old history view of these people. These were just men. That's all. They were men. They, they, they want us to believe these people. The only thing they cared about was freedom and liberty for everything. Bullshit. George Washington was one of the largest landholders in the entire uh, colonies. He married a very wealthy woman. He was a social climber. He had huge amounts of interest in land beyond that Appalachian Mountain uh, Pass. And all the other people that were involved in that stuff were very, very wealthy men. And wealth back then meant land. And... It was a land scam, and to the extent that they tell lies and fantasies and spend stuff up in order to get support for it, well, look, I don't blame them. I get it. Everyone's out there, you know, scamming around in government trying to use it, but let's not be such children about what our history is. (laughs) Let's just be honest about it. Just be honest about it. And the reason people can't be honest about it today is because the entire concept of American exceptionalism and liberty and freedom and all this other stupid crap is used to justify what they can look around and see is not consistent. They want to look back and pretend that this this thing used to be this incredible, impeccable deal that if we could just get back there, if we just got the right people like our fantastic founders, then we'd have freedom as opposed to the fact that, look, those guys were self-opportunist looking around and it's the same exact kind of quality you have in government today. There's no difference. It's just that over time, the amount of freedom has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And it's so easy for us now to be like, oh, the Bushes are pieces of shit. The Clintons are pieces of shit. Barack Obama, a piece of shit. <laughs> the lefties will fucking yell at Trump about being right. a sexist, misogynist, like all, all the things under the sun. Like we can criticize the presidents today, except everyone has a hard on for JFK, which I'm not <laughs> completely convinced that he was a great guy either. And um, and so it's so easy for us to bastardize and like completely call these presidents out in modern times for exactly the shills that they are. But we look back and we're just like, but that's the golden age. Yes. George Washington, John Quincy Adams, Abraham Lincoln. Those were the real men. Like, you know, it's such a fucking fairy tale. It's so silly. There's a there's a great book, and it was written by a congressman from, like, Montana or Wyoming or something like that. It's called Plutocracy in America from 1880 to 1920 or something like that. He just details the incredible corruption in the Congress just over and over and over again that he personally witnessed, and he cites all the different stuff. It's like, well... Yeah, and people come at me all the time with this, we've got, we're going to lose the country and all this other. Okay, well, why don't you tell me when it was that it was operating where it wasn't corrupt? When is this magical period in the United States when it was operating like you claim? 
And there's never any answer because we all know that the very first Congress within within like three years, they passed that Alien and Sedition Act that was outlawing, criminalizing political speech. And they put people in prison over it. Then you had, <coughs> excuse me, all the soldiers who hadn't been paid, and they called the damn army out on them. You have, you have the Whiskey Rebellion to collect taxes. You have every kind of thing that's just obvious as hell that what was going on then was to the maximum extent possible, they did it. Um, yes, the government's was size was smaller, the scope was smaller, but the corruption amounts might have been even greater even though it was a smaller area. The the Louisiana Purchase is, again, another just classic example, a completely unconstitutional event that they, they hail as some man, man, magnificent deal. Everybody at the time knew it was totally unconstitutional. There's no authority whatsoever for Congress to purchase land and then hand it out to their friends. And that's what they did. And, okay, whether it's a good idea or not a good idea, it's irrelevant. They didn't have the constitutional authority. And Thomas Jefferson was president when it happened. So Mr. Declaration of Independence, Mr. Holy this and that, he's the guy doing what everybody knew was totally and completely unconstitutional because it made economic sense for him. That's it. Like most of the things that have been done throughout American history, I mean, any kind of war effort or anything, it's like, fuck, well, you know, <laughs> well, the, the official narrative is Saudi Arabia attacked us on 9-11, so let's invade Afghanistan. <laughs> right. So, I mean, just like this shit that they always do. And you mentioned from like 1880 to 1920. Well, I mean, very interesting time period. 1902, we had the Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And then also in 1920, the Roaring Twenties, Woodrow Wilson goes into uh, on what was it, Christmas Eve night, like midnight Christmas Eve, and signs in the Federal Reserve Act. Right. So it's like, when was this golden period? You, when was You want to press the constitutional conservatives or anything like that. When was the golden period? Because right. throughout each period of the United States, we could find horrible corruption and horrible. pieces of shit as president. Horrible. I, I mean... The only guys who were any good as the president are the people they either killed immediately. And they're, you know, they, they assassinated those guys in the 18th. People forget that in the late 19th century, there was assassinations going on all over Europe and in the United States. It was all being driven by those commies. And that stuff was, it, it came to the United States. And the fact is, all of that period of the, the robber barons and the, and the big wealth and then the so-called trust busters and all this crap, it's taught in a very confusing fashion. Basically, people get that there was a civil war and then there was uh, a big push to go across the West and the railroads. The next thing you know, it's World War I. That's really all you learn. And it's, it's just a jammed together mess because so many bad pieces were put in place during that time. So many. And it's a hugely important period that's taught in a very confusing fashion. And again, it's all part of that land rush that and, and when they closed the frontier in the late night in the late 19th century, that's when the government just started explosively growing. Well, that's perfectly consistent with my theory that, yeah, you had you had some freedom in this country because 
There was no government anywhere. You didn't even have states. Most of the stuff was empty land, and they were just territories. Of course, you're going to have government free living out there. There's no damn government. But if you watch old Westerns, what do you see? Every single thing is about the same thing. Land and water resources. Every sinking Western is somehow about a corrupt guy who's got control of the sheriff and he's screwing the people over and taking their land or forcing them off the land or they can't have water and he's some unfair thing. And most of the time, what happens is the federal government, the union, army, the governor finally rides in, saves the day and restores justice and uh, liberty. It's just all fairy tales. But if you if you look at what was really going on, they're just breaking treaty after treaty treaty after treaty after treaty as we go across the uh, open land, killing the people and, and, and committing fraud on them, and then just taking all the resources for free. Um, well, of course, you're going to have explosive amounts of growth and freedom and, and, and wealth accumulation. There's no damn government. Imagine today if you could operate a business, you didn't have to keep records for seven years, pay them some cut of everything, all the different employment laws. None of those things existed. You could just run a business any way you wanted. You didn't give anybody a cut. It was, it was a fantastic time to make money and to obtain wealth. And in fact, even to this day in the town I live in, uh, which is in uh, Texas, uh, pretty much the area I live in, it was all used to be kind of a big ranch, uh, but owned by one family. And of course, they're fantastically wealthy. And, and what is the basis for that? They came down here. They they basically got the stuff either for free or they killed the people. And then they just kind of fenced it off, filed it some bogus uh uh, claim court where they claimed it as their own and then they just sit on it for a couple generations and then now they're just incredibly rich and everybody who was involved in that revolution everybody who was alive back then knew this was a once in a not even a lifetime multiple lifetime opportunity to go out and take land from people who were living in the stone age uh, with people who had guns and, and just take their stuff and set your entire family up for multiple generations. And that's really what drove that stuff across the West, not this idea of freedom and all this other. That's crap. They have people all new. I go out there, I might get rich. Yeah, I might get killed. It's true. But I got no chance here in a city where it's all already locked down. But if I go that way, then I got a great chance. Mm, and let's sidetrack on Texas for mm -hmm. uh, just for a little bit. Sure. Bro, when I came down to Texas, I came down March 2nd of last year, like literally nine days before they declared it a pandemic. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, great. I'm in Texas. They're not going to shut down, you know. Oh, was I in for a fucking treat, dude? I mean, our people like to pretend that Texas, uh, and especially people that live in California or, or Chicago or anywhere around, they're like, "Oh yeah, Texas." You know, they're they're living like the pandemic never happened. I'm like, bullshit, dude. We were locked down hardcore for like two months. I remember my job had to give me a slip in case I got pulled over to show to a police officer, like, "Yep, I'm allowed to drive on the road right now." <laughs> And it's like, dude, it was it was literally like that crazy in Texas. We were as locked down as locked down could be. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, now, it's not as bad as New York and California, but it was the idea that this place is some kind of freedom zone. That's just fantasy. It's total fantasy. It was 
Well, I mean, that was the main reason I actually started my podcast was because I could not believe what I was saying. Is It's like, what what the hell is going on? What do you mean the government can just tell me that I have to close my business, that, that I'm supposed to stay inside, that I'm not allowed to? Do? What What is this? And there was really virtually no pushback in this state. Really, for all practical purposes, no pushback, because the person who should have pushed back in every state besides citizens who don't really have any uh, procedural mechanisms, was the attorney general. The attorney general is supposed to represent the people in, in the state, and uh, they just didn't do anything. I mean, they just didn't do a damn thing. And so people who now they look at it, and it is way better than California now, um, yeah. but it's 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 not good because the laws on the books still allow them to do it any time, and most of the stuff that they're they're doing now that's kind of allowing people some freedom, it's just political. I mean, it's just strictly political. And if Trump was in office and Trump was pushing the the stupid emergency like he did when he was in there, then uh, our government Ab- Ab- Abbott he would be pushing the same thing. And the only reason there's anybody any kind of resistance is because it's Joe Biden, and uh, and that's it. That's the only reason. Yeah, and. Like you said, there was no pushback. There was literally None. no pushback because None. I, I mean, I live in Austin, so I went to the state capitol like every week since they and I was marching down the street by myself. I, I would have thought like, there's got to be there's got to be a gang of people up at the capitol. No one there. Ghost town, and it's like oh, it's barricaded off, so that means you can't go up there. Well, if we're like all these liberty loving constitutional conservatives, like. The answer to 1984 equals 1776. But then these cucks won't even go to the Capitol and push over a barricade? Right. I'm like, and then we right. know what a sham that the fucking insurrection was. What a right. fucking insurrection. They, they opened the gates for them. They said, come on in. They had velvet ropes that they didn't even go past. Right. I'm, I'm just like, right. dude, these these constitutional conservatives, these, these just utter cucks, which I have no better word than right. it's just like, Bro, if you're just going to sit on the sidelines during one of the most important times right now, then I have no respect. They kill us. The, the, that's the reason I have such a problem with it. They kill us because even though a huge number of the people who are in that kind of, I would say, that, that genre of, of belief, they're never going to do anything anyway. But there was a significant number of people in there who... They really would actually be on our side. They would they would be happy to go forward. But what they hear all the time is do it respectfully. Uh, respect law reform. Do it respectfully. Uh, it's like what? How are they respecting me by coming out armed, looking like some kind of dystopic future with the mask and the and the huge body armor crap and and all, and then and the stinking armored personnel carriers and the and the giant water guns and the the noise the noise uh, weapons they've got it's like they're not respecting me they're showing up it'd be like look if you're a mobster and you go to meet people the mob runs on open violence they understand government is hidden violence pretend violence people don't see it but if you show up to a mob meeting where you're just supposed to meet the other mob boss and you show up and your guys roll up in an APC with a bunch of uh, arms uh, that 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 meeting's not going to happen the guy's going to leave because that's not a show of good faith you have to show up unarmed the police need to show up unarmed. They can't show up armed and then be upset that the other people have arms. That's ridiculous. You want me to show up and be peaceful, and you need to show up and be peaceful. You don't show up 
armed to the teeth with the stinking masks on and a big line with helicopters overhead. That's ridiculous. You're you're antagonizing. You're antagonizing. And I just just there was there was zero pushback because because everybody who would be on our side was in favor of it because Trump did it. There, there's no other way around it. That, that is why it went down the way it did was because Trump declared a national emergency. Trump was out every single day for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks promoting Tony Fauci and his crew as the most brilliant combination of scientists the world had ever known. And this guy was going to be safe. And every single day he had another ShamWow press conference with another fantastic uh, promotional item from Pfizer or some other crap that he was pushing and a stupid Liberty ship that he floated around that nobody ever even got on. It was just a giant show, but every single day I made it a point to listen to some different kinds of stuff. And what I saw was the same thing with the, well, we have to be careful and blah, 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 and be respectful. And I was like, dude, you don't have to respect people who are trampling on your rights. That, that doesn't make sense. If they're trampling on your rights, they don't earn any respect. They're telling you they don't give a crap about you. Why do you care about them? And another thing at the insurrection, people were literally jumping in front of the police, be like, don't hurt them, don't hurt them, as they're getting <laughs> smoke grenaded, hit on the head with batons. Don't hurt the police, back to blue. I'm just like, this is literally psychopathy at this point. It they're is. Literally protecting the people that are beating you over the head and right. launching smoke grenades at you. Yes. I don't, the, the whole concept of the so-called insurrection, of course, is it's meaningless. It makes no sense. Is that, is that our house? I, I thought the people owned that house. I thought that's where we go to get represented. Are the people not allowed? It wasn't like they, they br were bringing guns in there. They wanted to go up there and talk to these people. They wanted to be heard. And the, the snakes in there immediately were hiding and running out the back door and going into the tunnels. It's like, and I know I said this on a, I did a show, like a, an extra show right after the uh, stupid fake event. And I made it clear, and I really think I've been proved right, which is that if anybody in that Congress had had the, the balls to come out and face those people in the Capitol, they would have been an instantaneous hero. They could have been elected to anything. It wouldn't even matter which side they were on. Hey, look, you know. You guys have objections. You want to be heard. I hear you. What What is the complaint? You know, if they could have just stayed inside the house when the so-called people rushed in there. We all saw them. Some joker wearing a costume with the stupid horns and, and just another bunch of people just kind of just really just wandering in. They weren't storming it in any sense. Of the, if someone had just stood in there and just said, um, you know, you you want to be heard? Now's your opportunity. Let's. What's the complaint? That guy would have been a national hero. He he he, he never would have bought a drink anywhere else. He went in the, for the rest of his life. The guy could have coasted on that reputation. But instead, they all ran like worms, and they run and hide because they know damn well what they're actually doing up there isn't something they can stand and defend to the people. They know they can't because they're bunches of traitorous scumbags. They run and hide in the tunnels and the men with the guns stand and protect the tyrants. That's what happens. It's such a disconnected kind of message that constitutional conservatives get from their so-called leaders, which is, the government is terrible. It's got all these problems. We have to limit it. But 
You must respect the men with the guns and the judges that enforce the tyranny that we're complaining about and put you in the cages. It's like that doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah, respect the office, not the man. Like that whole fucking horseshit line of reasoning. And I, I remember when they were storming the Capitol, there was this reporter on the other side of the fence and he's holding his phone and he's like, he said, oh, and they breached the Capitol when the police were opening the gates. Like, like they're, they're breaching the Capitol. He's like, oh, and they breached the Capitol. <laughs> As they're walking by him. I'm just like, oh, my God, what a fucking charade. Oh, my but God. I, I, I was just doing this interview the other day, and Cheney, not to talk shit, I love you, but it, just to make the point, um, she was saying, she's like, Oh yeah, there were there were easily like seventy thousand to a hundred thousand of us there, and if we wanted to, if Trump gave us the word, we would have torn the Capitol down brick by brick. I'm just like, yeah, why didn't you do it? I'm like my inner anarchist. I'm just like, Ooh. right. I mean, I wouldn't participate, but I mean, like, I wouldn't be mad if someone else did it, you know. So. I was just like, you needed the go-ahead from Trump. I mean, right. like, what do you think Trump's going to do? B blow his blower and be like, get him! Like, obviously not. Right. Well, this is, the, and this is ultimately the problem I have. And, you know, it's the same kind of problem that you face when, you know, w what is the answer, right? What can you do? Even if they'd gone in there and taken the whole thing down, okay, that... It doesn't serve the cause ultimately. Yeah, it probably feels good uh, to tear it down, but ultimately it's just there's so many brainwashed people who have so many sort of uh, just warm feelings about that that you can't desecrate what is in effect their temple uh, for the vast majority of people we need to reach. You have to be more careful. And so for me, it's always a question is really what can you do as an individual to actually affect change, because even if there was a violent revolution, I make clear all the time that well, it won't work. See, it won't work at this point because it'll just get infiltrated and controlled and you'll just get another set of people who are identical because the problem has to be understood. And the people who are storming that capital, they don't understand the problem. See, yeah, the, the problem is not that the government, the people in there, the Democrats are against Trump. Or that's not the problem. It's much more fundamental, as you understand. And that's the, that's the issue we face, is that if we had enough people who really understood the problem, then there's tons of solutions available. But if you don't have enough people who understand the problem, then there's no solution that can ever be implemented. That's the, that's the, the bottom line that it, there's just no getting around it. And it, it's a very complicated problem to untangle because the, the problem is so fundamental in people's minds. This concept that we have this government that is a representative government, go down all the list of the stupid constitution crap, and that's what enables our freedom. And the problem is not that the government structure is screwed up. The problem is that there's bad people. There's bad people in there misusing this fantastic structure. And as long as that's the belief system, we can't win. We can never win because the problem isn't the people in there. Yes, the people in there are pieces of crap. You're always going to get pieces of crap in government. Just like we talked about in the beginning of the show, the founders themselves were abusing the living crap out of the system. The problem is the way the system is set up. 
It can never, ever, never, ever, ever, ever work. And there's no time it has ever worked. It was a theory to the extent you even want to believe it was a good faith theory. And it's proved itself to not work. And until people understand that and make peace with that and the concept that it has to be dismantled and decentralized, there's not going to be a solution. There is no other solution. And let's take the example of the Supreme Court. I mean, how about the fact <laughs> that the entire meaning of the Constitution, one person has to die, they put like a lib, like a lefty in there, and then the entire Constitution means something different on a vote of five to four. Like right. if, they had a, if they had a Republican in there before, they interpreted it differently. The entire Constitution is a double-sided coin. I mean, oh, yeah. it can be in- interpreted any way you want it. And that's the fundamental problem of the Constitution. Even the Second Amendment, the, people debate the commas in the Second Amendment. <laughs> like, well, what does it actually mean? Because there's a comma here and there's a comma there and the uh, militia and like all right. these different things. Like it's purposefully so hard to read. Well, and there's so and it's such a good point because, you know, the Supreme Court, there's so many issues that are around the Supreme Court and, and being a lawyer. I remember when I was in law school and learning about it, and I, and I used to believe all of this constitutional crap, all of it, every single piece of it. And just over time, it just became obvious that none of it makes sense. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that that in practice, uh, it became clear that um, nothing I was told was true. But then it went more, much deeper than that. And this idea of the Supreme Court somehow being the law of the land if you read the language in the Constitution, that's not what it says. It says that the supreme judicial authority, that is not the law of the land. That is just all that means. The only thing that means is that you have to have a procedural mechanism to hear cases once you set a court system up. You have to. That means you have to have a way to have a trial, uh, normally some kind of appeal, and then potentially you might get to the Supreme Court. You don't have any right to get to the Supreme Court, and they also don't even have any obligation to have federal district courts. There have none. There's none of them set up inside the Constitution. There's only a Supreme Court set up, but that's it. And the rest is set to Congress. And so they could have no they could have no federal courts at all. You could just have one Supreme Court. And when you start seeing what it's actually set up to do, it's designed to simply Make sure there's a way to have a final resolution in a court. Like in England or in Great Britain, the final resolution actually doesn't end in a court. It can actually go to, I think, the House of Commons or the House of Lords. You, in effect, get a final appeal to them. Now, they don't necessarily have to take it like the Supreme Court. It's kind of a writ of certiorari. They may or may not take it, but the final rule is not left to a court there. And in our system, the final rule with regards to your case, it ends if the Supreme Court hears the case and rules or refuses to hear your case. Your case is now over. And the reason for that is that you have to have finality. At some point, the litigation has to end. Whether or not you get completely screwed or not, the case has to be over. You can't just litigate forever. And so the Supreme Court is designed to hear that. And the absolute simplest proof in the world of the, for the idea that the Supreme Court is not the law of the land, and they, when they say something, it doesn't mean it's constitutional. It doesn't mean it's the part of the Constitution. It doesn't become anything. It's just a rule that applies to one party, whoever's in the case, and that's it. And that is that the Supreme Court can reverse itself, and it has many times. If the Supreme Court was going to actually be the law of the land, you would have to have something in the Constitution 
Constitution that provided for ways that it could then reverse itself because what it is in effect doing at that point, it's amending the Constitution. It is changing the constitutional law of the land. It, it's not possible that you would have no provision for that and then be allowed to reverse itself. If it was never allowed to reverse itself, it'd be like, okay, well, maybe there's at least some kind of a ridiculous argument that it's so-called the constitutional law of the land at that point. But the other reason that makes no sense is that there's no number. You could just have one justice on the Supreme Court. Nothing in the Constitution prevents that. And I've always said that would be a lot better system because then people would see that there's no way in hell the system was set up so that one dude makes the law of the land for everybody for all time unless you can get a constitutional amendment. But because it's a so-called institution with nine august justices and all this crap, it has the trappings that fool people into thinking that this is something it's not. If it was just one guy, there's no way you could sell this concept that he was in charge and that people that fought this incredible revolution hanging on by fingertips at Valley Forge and all this other crap, then agreed that, okay, we'll have a star chamber of some guy who sits forever and he'll just make all the laws. That doesn't make any sense. None of that makes any damn sense together because none of it's true. That's the problem. None of it's true. And again, the constitutional conservatives constantly mislead everybody and tell everyone that the Supreme Court is the law of the land. And it's not. It's just not. And you also have to have personal jurisdiction over somebody. Supreme Court has no authority whatsoever to order me to even cut a bush down in my front yard. No chance unless I'm joined in that case and they get personal jurisdiction over me. You don't get personal jurisdiction over me. You cannot. Their order would be meaningless and nobody would enforce it. And yet... I'm supposed to believe that they somehow have bound everybody all times, people who weren't even born yet, people who were alive and unserved. Nobody's even had a chance to appear before them, and yet somehow they've obtained the ability to enter an order that's binding on all of them. Nothing in any kind of judicial authority recognizes that at all, even in a class action, which I've actually been a class counsel. And that's not what happens. You have to prove your class up, and then the class has to get an opportunity to be noticed. It has to get an opportunity to opt out. I don't ever get any opportunity to opt out of any of these ridiculous Supreme Court opinions they claim bind me. Nothing about any of the judicial law that the Supreme Court itself says applies to its own decisions makes any sense with the idea that it's the law of the land and that somehow we all have to obey it. Just nothing about it. And I, I, I think you've touched on this in the past, but you're more or less like, well, where where does this get us is like the idea of a straw man or like your legal person where like you have you have your individual sovereignty as a man or woman. But then you have like your um, all uh, capital social security name. number. <laughs> yeah, the all capitals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. the all capitals. And the, there's the red ink and the black ink. But then you got to watch out for the blue ink. And then that's I'm right. Like, well. Dude, my head is swimming with all of this stuff. But they swear if you if you follow these exact procedures that you can not be a straw man anymore and you don't have to have license plates on your car and all of this right. stuff. But then I think the point that you've made is that, well, then you'll just be endlessly in court. I mean, you're going to get pulled over all the time. And it's like they're not well, going to recognize it. Right. Exactly. They'll never it's recognize like, sure, it. Officer, I don't have I don't have license plates. I also don't have a license. <laughs> right. And you right. Go down the, the list. Right. How much trouble can you go to to avoid having a license, a uh, driver's license, or registering your car or some other crap? And it's funny you bring it up because I actually taped a show that I haven't played yet 
Um, and I taped it in anticipation of needing some shows when I when I was going to go film, and I thought I was going to have to be doing that shortly, but it got pushed 60 days. But I did one on exactly this, um, and I had already done one before where I talked about a lot of this, and it was... It was one that I got a lot of grief about. I think it was my uh, episode that was about where I said, look, when I've run out of options, I've avoided every possible way I can. If they're coming to my door, I'm not going to go out in a shootout with the cops. I'm not going to turn and blow my brains out like the warden in Shawshank. That's not going to happen. It's not realistic. I will I will understand. I'll take my chances with a shot at that point. I just got huge amounts of, oh, I'll, I'll never take. Okay, well, maybe you won't. I don't know. I don't think that's going to be happening, but. What it seems that show wasn't popular for that reason. It, it was overshadowed, but I go over a lot of that. And the problems with all of it is that fundamentally the concept is the same, and that is that somehow there's this new constitution after the Civil War that, that incorporates and that if you actually, if you have all capitalization in your name, that this is some different thing, your birth certificate sold on the market and you're bound into all this crap. It's... <laughs> There's no consent to the original Constitution. None. There is no consent to the original Constitution. Whatever consent existed at any time, it doesn't involve me. And so the idea that somehow I'm bound to this common law itself is just a made-up thing. And, and the idea that they can, therefore, they have this non-organic Constitution that put... Uh, None of that's true. There's, there is no sort of law, not maritime. None of that law recognizes consent that's not voluntary and informed. Well, the entire construct of this very elaborate thing, and there are apparently lawyers out there who file all these very complex documents, and, and they, I guess they somehow have, they have success periodically. I've asked people again and again and again to send me actual appellate case law that shows anything, any of these, these theories ever work, and they don't. And the, the, the second problem with it is that every single one of these, these so-called arguments that they make, what they do is they, they cherry-pick out miscellaneous language from different Supreme Court cases that supposedly prove their point. Well, as I've just showed you, the Supreme Court case is not the law of the land anyway. It's just a made-up thing, even under the Constitution itself. just a made-up thing. It doesn't mean jack shit. The fact that the Supreme Court said something, well, great. For those people, to the extent it's helpful, great. To those people, the extent you can use it later, great. To the extent some district court, some nowhere place said something that made sense that applies, great. Use that. That's the way story decisis actually is used. The entire concept is that, look, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. If you come across a situation, a complex or other type of legal situation, you look at what other people who have been judges faced with the same thing have said about it, and you see whether or not what they said made sense. And if it did, then you use it. That's what stare decisis is about. But in our system, what you have is a statute that requires that appellate courses follow the Supreme Court law. If the Supreme Court was what we're told, then you would not need that statute. You wouldn't need the statute because the statute itself just shows you that that it's not true, that the Constitution isn't binding on these appellate courts. If it was, if it in fact was everything we're told, then you wouldn't need a statute that said the appellate court has to follow it. And so the district courts and the statute also says if you're in a district court, you must follow the authority in your own uh, district. So if you have a circuit, the Fifth Circuit, the Tenth Circuit, Ninth Circuit, if you're a district court sitting in there, you must follow whatever your appellate law is in that area. Well, again, 
<laughs> that's just it just turns the entire concept on its head that you're entitled to the best justice. It could be a shitty decision. It could have been terribly argued. It could be an odd set of facts. It could be a corrupt judge. It could be anything. You're entitled to have your case heard by an independent arbiter and to make the best decision possible by requiring this stare decisis. And if you read well, the way judges enter their orders, I mean, they just, they, they have their clerks, they run their law clerks just ragged, pulling stupid cases to justify any and every damn thing they do. If the, if the man's not entitled to sit there and analyze your case reasonably, if he has to justify every little single thing he says and point to something where someone else has said the same damn thing, and people think that somehow makes sense, then we're just living in dystopia. There's no difference between that and saying the CDC has protocol and guidelines. There's no difference. It's like, who cares what they say? They don't make any damn sense. Why are we following them? Who cares what an appellate court has said if it makes no sense, if it's crap and it doesn't apply in your case and it, and it makes injustice out of your case? It doesn't make sense. And every one of these corporate all capital ideas, I've filed plenty of cases, seen plenty of cases where the people are not all capitalized in the uh, document. And no court's ever going to uh, give one crap about that. I know plenty of people who've gone to what they call judges school after they got appointed or they got uh, elected in Texas. And there's nothing in the materials about all these things they think exist about how everybody, all the judges know and it's maritime and they're secret and they got gold friends in their flags and all this other crap. There's nothing like that going on. I've never, as a lawyer, taken an oath to the crown and all this. None of that happens. It's just a fantasy. And I'm convinced it is controlled op because it wastes unbelievable amount of time and it drains off people we need. Every one of those ones that drains off people we need, very suspicious of. Very suspicious. And like you said, they use Supreme Court decisions to justify their position. <laughs> right. I do, and I want to talk about Jacobson versus Massachusetts, man. There I mean, you like, go. There, there's a Supreme Court decision that literally said, like, you have right to self-autonomy and all of this shit. Life, liberty, property. That's your right under the Constitution. Well, apparently not for this Jacobson sorry sack of shit because right. he's like, I don't want a vaccine. And they're like, nah, you're going to take the vaccine. Right. And I remember when the thing first started happening, I told people that, and I got endless amounts of grief. All the, oh, it's a $5 fine. That's all it was. A $5 fine, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, it's not going to matter. That's not how it works. They're going to look at the, the, the logic with regards to the connection between the facts and then the holding. And in that one, it was that the law required a vaccination and the court found that you had to obey the law. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. Everything else is irrelevant. And that's how it's been cited over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if it's a district court, appellate court, DOJ, every single uh, entity in the government is citing it the exact same way. The decision is crap. Of course it's crap. There's endless amounts of crap decisions. That's why I'm saying these crap decisions, they don't bind everybody. Nobody would agree to that. Would you agree? Would you agree that you're going to have a court who you're not even going to be involved in the case at a time when you don't even know anything about it? And whatever they say, that's it. That's the law forever now. Who would agree to this? It's the opposite of liberty, freedom, anything, any kind of rational system. It is the pinnacle of a system where they funnel everything into a small group that you have no control over. And that's exactly what it is. And so you've got Jacobson, but to me, Jacobson isn't even the worst. What about forced sterilization? 
They approve forced sterilization, and everybody knows in that case, again, fully corrupt. It turns out the woman was not an imbecile. She'd gotten pregnant. Her family was ashamed, and everybody around it knew it, and all the people involved, and it was basically just a gigantic corruption matter, and they approved it, and guess what? Everybody cites that one, too. It's still in the books. You got what, Korematsu, whatever it is. They approved of uh, holding people in the... Uh, Japanese internment camps. Well, what about that? How is that okay? It, it, you can find case after case after case. The people who think we're going to get the Supreme Court to protect our liberties, they are living in a dreamland. They don't, they don't know anything about the actual system. They have been listening to these constitutional conservatives who are always constantly shocked and surprised when the court goes the way and doesn't give us our rights. They're always surprised again and again and again. How many times can you be surprised before you start thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe my system is wrong. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about if I'm always surprised. If my system has zero predictive value, maybe you need a new system, not, oh, well, we've got to get the right people in there. Maybe your system you of analysis is wrong. And my system works. If you, you see exactly what happens is exactly what I say is going to happen because the system is not what people are taught. It's just that simple. It's not what you're taught. And I mean, the easiest example that people can wrap their minds around is, dude, look at gay marriage. I mean, gay marriage was fucking illegal. <laughs> like everybody now is like, oh yeah, like I mean, what's got to be the percentage in favor of gay marriage? Like ninety percent. I mean, right. Who's against gay marriage these days? But I mean, that was fucking illegal like ten years ago. Yes. <laughs> I mean, abortion just was the same way. Over that. Yeah. Abortion was exactly the same way. It was illegal. In fact, it was illegal. I think in every single state up until nineteen sixty illegal in every single state. The idea that it's unconstitutional for a state to forbid it when <laughs> I think every single union state that's in the union now, when they were brought into the union, they had a law in their books that it was uh, illegal. Well, it doesn't make any sense that they could ever be unconstitutional um, for a state to outlaw it. It's, it's, this is the problem with it is that and, you know, everything in society is like this. They, they want to drive everybody in this concept that there's a, a board that has to be decided. They even do it in sports all the time. The NCAA, well, you have to wait for the decision. The, the NFL, they drive everything into the commissioners and this, this proceeding, these committees. That's the concept. You always, they always want to drive people in to these systems that are centralized, controlled systems that are controlled by a very few people. And when you have a very few people in there, you only need one or two uh, people who are on your side. And then you can just blackmail, extort, or corrupt and buy the remaining people. And then you get a decision. And that's it. And every single thing in society is now driven by these things. Best practices are all decided by these boards. You've got these large corporations and small rules. Every single thing, we're supposed to wait for the uh, the school board to decide. You're supposed to wait for the city council. You're supposed to. Everyone is always sitting around waiting for these other people to tell them what they have to do. People are so brainwashed about that at this point. They they genuinely expect that they have to wait to find out what they're allowed to do. They have to wait to find out what's permissible. They have to wait to find out what's not allowed. And that's just absolutely habituated into people at this point. The concept of actual freedom is so far from the discussion at this point, it blows my mind. I mean, <laughs> it blows my mind. And one of the best points I think you may have ever made on the quash, you were specifically talking about um, mask mandates. 
So say you go into the store and they say, sir, you got to put on a mask. You say, fuck you, I ain't putting on no fucking mask. And then it's like, all right, we'll call the police. The police come, sir, you need to please put on a mask. No, I ain't putting on a fuck mask. I'm not putting on a mask. Fuck you, I'm out of here. And then they give you a ticket. And like, I ain't paying this bullshit ticket. Right. I, mean, I, I shouldn't have been wearing a mask in the first place. Right. And then, and then they fucking issue a warrant for your arrest. Right. And you have to go to court. And then, like, look at the how they just amp it up more and more right. and more if you don't comply. I, I've given the example many times. It's very similar to the example. Years ago, I had a blog, and I wrote on it. And one of the examples is to show people that the foundational principles of government is nothing but... Uh, violence. And the example I used was uh, that I was in violation. Uh, they came by, they ticketed me for failing to uh, keep a, like cut a bush back or keep my trash can, you know, 20 feet from the, the street or some crap. I got the thing. I just threw it in the trash, laughed at it. Okay. And then eventually I go down to try to get my uh, car registered and I can't and then I have a problem, and then I get stopped with the, the no registration, and then I refuse to appear to court in order to pay my registration, uh, to find the registration, because uh, and just keep going down a line. And what ultimately ends up happening is that they bring men with guns, and if I defend myself against the men with guns, they kill me, which is all ultimately over the idea that I didn't have my uh, trash can uh, back 20 feet from the, from the street. And, and that's that's every single law. If you walk through what happens if you say no to the, to the law, um, it always ends with you either being in a cage or you being dead. That's it. Those are the only two options that you have. Or you can go into the corrupt government system and try to defend yourself against the very people who are there who are prosecuting you. It's, it's the most idiotic system I can ever imagine when... The same party makes the laws, enforces the laws, decides whether they're going to prosecute the laws, brings the witnesses to convict you, has the court, holds the appeals process, and then and then is in charge of the the prisons and the. It's like how can this ever make any sense to people and believe this can ever generate anything except for the worst kind of tyranny, and that's what it has generated: the worst kind of tyranny. Look what's going on in Australia. They got a holy constitution down there. They're basically a penal colony again. It's insane what's going on down there. And guess who's enforcing it? The police. Still haven't seen any of the situations. The police are all standing down, going and arresting these people in government who are claiming to make these outrageous laws. Nothing's happening. They're right there, bodyguards, protecting them, enforcing it, all the same crap. They're the worst kind of tyranny. The people who are constitutional conservatives who keep backing the police, they are backing the redcoats. Their position makes no sense. They want to claim to be revolutionaries, but they back the redcoats. It's, it's insane. And that pisses me off so bad when you were saying that people were like, Oh, well, you know, Jacobson, it was just a $500 fine. Or, or $5 fine. Yeah. First off, what was $5 in 1902? Was <laughs> right. that 200 bucks, 250 bucks? I mean, like, that must have been a good chunk of change. Maybe he didn't have it on him. And also... What what if it was five bucks? What if what if you were fined five bucks for not wearing a mask? If you don't pay the ticket, the government escalates force against you. Yes. That is the point that's being driven home. Not that if it's five bucks, it could be two cents. Who right. gives a shit? The point is that the government will escalate force if you don't comply. Absolutely. And 
And the, the, the absolute laughable flaw in their argument about it was only $5 fine. Only, okay, well, if it's only a $5 fine, then it's not a really constitutional issue. If it's just a $5 fine, then how can it be a major constitutional issue? It doesn't really matter. They, it can't be applied now. <clears throat> it was just a $5 fine. <laughs> you can't use a $5 fine. That means nothing. You'll hold it against. Oh, okay, it's a constitutional matter. Right. It's not a $5 fine. They are treating it as a situation where you have to obey the law. If you don't obey the law, well, then they'll just come kill you eventually. That's it. You resist, they'll kill you. That's it. There, there's no other option. They won't just say, look, it's just a $5 fine. We're not going to go do anything about it. No, they ran it all the way to the damn Supreme Court. That's what they did. And going back to like just a just a regular court case, I mean, like a jury of your peers. Well, I mean, like that's obviously the most optimal situation that you could hope for. But doesn't the judge also have like he he can enter or withhold evidence from being entered into the case? Is sure. That not well, I mean, all the evidentiary rules—they're all controlled by the state, and the rulings on the evidentiary rules, uh, whether or not evidence comes in, doesn't come in—that's all one hundred percent controlled by a judge. And what is your option? If the judge denies uh, access to the, you, 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 you make an application, you try, it's all pre-trial for the most part. You, you get disagreements of what's going to come and what's not. It's not like Perry Mason. Uh, it's very little of that that goes on. Some more in criminal trials and civil, but the judge says, no, it can't come in. What's your option? Well, you got to try the case. <laughs> you try the case without it, and then you try to appeal, and then you have to make a case to the government, which is the next level up government, that the that the error of not letting it in was significant enough that you're entitled to a retrial. Uh, you're never going to get, or virtually never going to get, what would be called reverse and render, which would mean that the, the appellate court finds that it's such a violation of your rights in such and such situation that that the the decision itself has to be reversed. It's almost never going to happen in a civil trial. And in a criminal trial, if they find that, well, you're all you're going to get, they're not going to say not guilty. They're just going to send you back down, probably to the same judge, and you have to have another trial. Well, there's countless discretionary decisions judges make every day, every day in the court. And that's why I maintain that these standards, this discretion and all this other, it's all crap. The judges need to face serious personal risk when they make decisions in criminal trials. Like they decide they're going to keep something out and they want to decide to let something in for the defendant. That's fine. You want to decide to keep something out for the defendant? That judge needs to face some very serious personal penalties if he's wrong. Because otherwise it doesn't work because you have to have personal consequences. Otherwise, the judge is like, well, whatever. And he just goes home to dinner. You go off to prison and you hope that you get overturned. No, that's not the way it can be. You're never going to get a fair hearing like that. You have to have everybody in the government side has to have skin in that game. And none of them have any skin. And so that's how you get these bogus cases like these $5 fines that get taken up. Because what did the government risk? Nothing. It doesn't risk anything. And it won. But it's being paid the whole time. They don't have to expend any costs. This is their job to simply go do that. What are you risking? You're risking all the money, paying a lawyer. That you know, it's, it's not a system that can ever work like that. But legal, man, the government can't enforce uh, cruel and unusual punishment upon you. <laughs> well, I mean, who decides what's cruel and unusual? Well, there you go. And I... And I <laughs> It's such a, that's another great example to me, which is that it's open and obvious that under no circumstances could any district court judge ever, ever sentence you to going and having to be sodomized. 
Okay, that's impossible. They could never do that. It's open and obvious that's criminal. Uh, <laughs> that is that is definitely cruel and unusual punishment. But everybody knows what's the real risk you run when you go to prison. Is anybody scared of going there and having shitty food and sitting in a stupid box with a cage and having little yard time? No, nobody's scared about that. Everybody's scared about one thing. That's getting their ass beat and raped. That's it. Well, you couldn't sentence somebody to that. You couldn't sentence someone to being beaten like Andy Dufresne got in Shawshank. You couldn't. Re- you could never sentence someone to that. But every judge knows that's what they're sentencing you to. Every prosecutor knows that's what the prisons involve. In fact, they threaten people with it all the time. Oh, we're going to put you in a nice prison. You know, the judge in the federal courts they get to decide which prisons you go to, so they can send you to a nice prison or a not nice prison. So they either send you to the ass raping prison or the prison where you learn how to commit white collar crime. It's it's everything about it makes no sense. And so cruel and unusual, again, is another perfect example of how the system in theory sounds great the way they present it, but the reality is a complete joke. And you referenced something earlier that I wasn't familiar with. What is Perry Mason? <laughs> That's greatness. <laughs> uh, it's an old old TV show. If you look it up, Perry's super famous. He was a criminal defense lawyer. I used to watch when I was a kid and uh, he would come out. Of course, he always fought the good fight and he won and he he was up against an honest, hard charging uh, prosecutor. Of course, he always won with these crazy cases. And what happens is every time he would get the witness somehow to break down and be honest and tell the truth and he'd win the case right at the end. And uh, it was just laughable propaganda. But the concept being that Perry Mason is this guy that you're going to go and you're going to get this fair trial and he's going to win it for you by, by his stupendous lawyering, which is just mm-hmm. not really realistic. You know, that's gotcha. this doesn't happen much. <laughs> and I wanted to touch on uh, the Civil War and probably more than just touch on it. But I mean, for anybody that doesn't understand like what actually happened, I mean, it was a group of states that voted to be like, hey, we want to be out of this. We don't fuck with this anymore. The North is imposing all this bullshit upon us. Regardless of their motivation, they had that constitutional right to get the fuck out of there. They got the fuck out of there, and then they got their ass whooped into submission before they had to come back. Right. What what, what actually happened was this: the South, they had a just a politically very different motivation in the north you know because their entire economy was based on this kind of slave agriculture deal and when lincoln got elected with zero support from the south no southern states they realized at that point in light of the fact that the west was opening up that they were screwed that was it they're a permanent minority they're every single piece of legislation was going to step on them and they have no chance inside the system they no longer have what is any real representation because they have a minority position a permanent minority position. So they voted. They decided to leave. They started their own country. And that was insufficient. And Lincoln said, you can't do it. Um, If your vote means anything, that's exactly what freedom and liberty and everything is supposed to be about. If the people in the union had been truly about liberty and freedom, I've got no problem. They want to go down there and have a war to uh, free the slaves. That's fine. But then you can never reconstitute the country and claim it's under the Constitution and it's a voluntary association of states. You can't. That's all. That's out the window. And also, if they'd done that, uh, they never could have had the uh, war because there was never going to you were never going to get people to sign up to do that. That was never going to happen. You're never going to get uh, white people in the north to go down there and fight to free black people. There was just as much racism in the north. There were slave states in the north. It was all stupid. It was just it's such a concoction. The whole thing is a lie. And the fact is, like I said, it doesn't matter what the uh, 
the South was fighting for. Say it's the worst possible thing in the world. Okay, it is. That's fine. They were fighting for the worst possible thing in the world. Okay. So it doesn't matter. The, the principles are the same. You, you either have the vote and it holds water or you don't. And if you want to go down there and fight a war and bring them into your, your, uh, your country after that, well, then you don't have a constitution. You can only have one or the other. You can't have them both. You can't say they rejoined the Union at gunpoint after we burned them and murdered them all, and now that it was voluntary. That doesn't make sense. That, that You can't have both of those positions. And not enough people talk about that, the, the burning of the crops and Richard Sherman going through Georgia, fucking murdering, raping, right. pillaging, burning down fucking food supplies. I mean, people starved to death because of this fucking guy. And oh, that yeah. was like under the direction of Lincoln, who was a vehement piece of shit. But we hold him in such high regard because he freed the slaves. Right. So he was a war criminal. So was uh, Grant. So was Sherman. They were war criminals by any possible sense of the word in today's terms. That's what they were. And... And the fact is, that was the very first time that really had occurred in what people called civilized society. Uh, you know, they might have run through some places they used to call barbarians and screwed them. And all warfare is outrageous, and I'm not in favor of any kind of wars. Uh, people need to make their own decisions. But when you when you look at the way they hold Lincoln up there as though Lincoln is some kind of uh, hero, He's, they put him up there with like the founding fathers, whatever the Constitution was, it doesn't matter what it was. It could not possibly survive a war to hold the country together. It is an impossibility, a logical impossibility, to have a voluntary union of anything, people, states, anything else held together by war. It's just not possible. It doesn't matter what the war is about. You can't then have a voluntary union. That's all. It's... <laughs> And it doesn't matter what the war is about. You don't have to argue about it. It's just, as a practical matter, whatever the Constitution was, is dead. That's it. It's dead. We're not under it. It's impossible to be. And I believe you made this point in a recent podcast, but you were talking about, like, once the southern states rejoined, I mean, they were just completely subjugated and they were given no say or whatever. Absurd. Whatever. You know, everybody learns the Reconstruction in the same era, they, the same way they learn that sort of late 19th century crap where they just jam it all, all kind of Reconstruction, all carpetbaggers. Um they literally took the elected officials out and put in military uh, personnel to run the governments down there. That's that itself is a direct violation of the Constitution, which says that the federal government must assure some kind of Republican representative form of government in the states. And then the, and the government itself went in there and made sure that didn't happen. They had elective representatives. They had a government. They went in there, pulled them out. They put a military uh, government in each one of those uh, state houses. It's it's everything about it is just it's so nonsensical, that, but they just turned it into this race thing where you're a racist if you, if you support the position that they took. And I don't even personally care if they seceded or not seceded. It doesn't matter. They, they could have lost a war. Chattel slavery was ending anyway. It ended everywhere else in every kind of civilized country without a civil war. All over the world. They all ended it without it. And there was... Tons of discussions in this country, and there was just no plan. Nobody could come up with a plan for what do you do with these people who have no land, no skills, no anything. If we, quote, free them, what, what's going to happen to them? What are they going to do? I mean, there's nothing that there was no plan and people were working on a plan that might happen. And I'm not saying that the people who are the slave owners were well-intentioned. I'm saying tons of people weren't slave owners and nobody could come up with a good plan. And nobody could come up with a plan. And a war was unnecessary. And 
it was just forced upon them because the reality is as soon as the uh, war was over, that was it. Whatever the country was, it was over. We got the Department of Justice. We got a massive growth in the government. And there's and it made they made it clear that if you don't like what's going on, well, tough shit because you can't leave. It's just like Chaz Palminteri there in uh, Bronx Tale when he closes the bar door and he locks it. And he says, now you can't leave. That's it. It's over. Now you can't leave. What does it matter what you do if you have a minority position in this country? If a block of states has a minority position, what can they do? They can't do anything. There's nothing you can do. You don't have the uh, the numbers to get a constitutional amendment. You don't have a const- you don't have the numbers to avoid a vote. You don't have the numbers to do anything. You, if you have a minority position, you have no representation. And they made it clear that if you have no representation, you're a minority. You don't like. Well, guess shut. You can't leave. There's not a damn thing you can do. You might as well get comfortable. That's it. Jesus. And <laughs> do you know anything more about like the suspension of habeas corpus? I mean, I know that like a a bunch of people were held, you know, way longer than they should have been. But I mean, were there any specific instances? Oh, there's so many great ones. Everybody who's interested in that, they should all read uh, DiLorenzo's books on Lincoln. The guy's written, I don't know, four books or something on Lincoln. He's a professor in some Midwestern uh, state university, I think. And his stuff is great. And he just, he chronicles and details all of the outrageous tyranny that Lincoln did. And you can watch some of his stuff on YouTube if you want, but his books are definitely worth uh, buying and reading. Uh, He gives just detail after detail of all the insanity that Lincoln uh, pulled. And another great point I want to make about Lincoln is that, you know, he had to sneak out of Washington, sneak out or sneak in, because he didn't have the kind of Secret Service protection that our presidents have now. They're guarded like the most important thing in the world. Nobody can reach him. That guy was sneaking around. He paid his own private security to try to protect him as he snuck out because he was afraid someone was coming for him. Imagine the situation that these politicians had to worry and hire their own private security because they were worried because they were jacking everybody over. My God, that's so unimaginable now. It's endless Hollywood movies about moving heaven and earth to protect some federal judge or senator or congressman or anybody, the president. My God, you kidding me? They'll blow the whole damn world up to so-called protect that guy. And that's just back then, prior to the, the, the Civil War, when they before they'd won, the guy's sneaking out. That's that's how different the world was. It's so different than what we have. And then we had John Wilkes Booth, the 33rd degree Freemason that Uh ended up taking him out. You know, what kind of Freemasonic ritual was that whole deal? Right. Uh, It's it's like every single piece of historical narrative ever investigated. It's never true. It's never what we're told. That's why I've got the 179 Club, because it's always as close to 180 degrees off as they can get it. And John Wilkes Booth is another classic example. It's like, what really went on there? What really went on? And then you look at that crazy mass hanging they had afterwards, the, the, the largest mass hanging. And again, just a charade of a trial and everything else. And people, all they have to do is look and see how they're treating these, these fake insurgents. Just look how they're treating them. Okay, that's, that's how they've treated everybody. Every kind of case you ever read about that the government's involved in is just as faked up as that. It's just a faked up deal. And uh, recently in one of your podcasts, and I really wanted to ask you about this because I had used this reference a couple podcasts ago where I was talking about uh, 
like there was this there was a scientist that I ended up looking in who founded the National Center for Atmospheric Research and he was investigated in 1947 uh for possibly being a communist in the United States but I'm just like well you know like probably likely true I mean he was a huge global warming pusher and all of this bullshit that we now know is complete dog shit but uh, he was investigated for being a communist, but I'm just like, oh yeah, well, I mean, maybe, but there was a lot of McCarthyism, but lately you're just like, well, McCarthyism wasn't what they said that it was. I, I don't uh, really know the true story of, uh, Joseph McCarthy. Well, he was clearly right. <laughs> and, um, you know, they vilify that guy and that's another typical 179 club deal. They, oh, it's McCarthyism. He was right. The stuff he was saying was true and they were covering it up. And, you know, so I just I just tell people all the time, if you're hearing something from the government, they're pushing it. You can know it's not true because all you have to do is look back in history. What historical events that they ever tell us about are true? They're never true. And so whatever's happening in the present, that's going to be history at some point. So you can know it's not true. You don't need anything else. You can know that this will be history at some point. And when it's history, everybody will look back and go, I can't believe people believe that bullshit. Right. Don't believe it now. That's what I'm thinking about, like the whole lab leak thing. Like, I I know you've talked about sometimes like oh you know it's probably cooked up in china i'm just like i don't think there's a fucking virus at all i mean obviously people are getting <laughs> sick with something but i mean like the all of the numbers that we have 80 percent false positive rate for the pcr 94 percent of right. people that died from covid had three other comorbidities only six percent right. they're saying i'm just like dude we're looking at like below flu numbers for deaths. right i'm just like what is the real concern here right well i mean Again, you look back and you say, what was the 1918 flu? That's what they all use it on. And then that's when you start investigating that, which is something I'd never investigated until this thing popped up. And then I started investigating that and you realize, well, hold it. They tried to reproduce this transmission method and never could. So they can't reproduce the transmission method. They haven't been able to even to this day. Well, I'm not a doctor, but I've got two really good friends who are both MDs and have been for a long time. And it's obvious that the fundamental issues aren't true. There's something very suspicious going on, and they squelch any possible discussion about it as so-called kookery because the American Academy of this and the American Association of that and the Department of this all say this. and It's all crap. And what's going on with this corona thing? I don't know. I know this. I was super suspicious day one when the narrative was set. Whenever they set the narrative and the narrative, the fundamental narrative can't be questioned, you know you've got a lie. And that is that we have COVID-19 with a blah, blah virus. And the, okay, okay, it can't possibly be just a whole series of different bioweapons that are being released out here in order to create this. Oh, no, no, it's COVID-19 with a very, okay, oh, I got you. Okay, as soon as I hear that, I know that's not true. And for me, it's sort of like this, the question of the reptilians and all the other stuff. It could be true, may not be true. I, I, if you put a gun to my cat's head, I'd say, yeah, probably is true, but I don't have any proof for it. And you're never going to get proof. And you're never going to get a sort of definitive answer about what's causing all of this because tons of the people are already dead. There was no autopsies. We're not even sure if the autopsies would serve anything. We don't know what's happening. Uh, the thing may have a different effect on all sorts of different people. I've seen tons of people who are very, very scientific, have great credentials. They look, they say, there's no such thing as these viruses causing illness. This is an effect of having an illness. It's not the cause of the illness. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I, I don't know what shedding is. These are very, 
These are very complicated scientific questions that there's a lot of medical literature all around it, but there's no open debate allowed. And that's all I need to know is when, if you're legitimately looking for the truth, you encourage all sides to come forward with information and evidence that might help you lead you to the truth. But when you're pushing a fake agenda, then you shut them down. And you can look around and see what's happening. They're shutting everybody down who deviates from the from the official narrative. That's it. There's nothing else you need to, for me, that's as far as I need to go. Some people, they're, they're dying to know exactly what it is. And if they're interested in that, then I, I, you know, knock yourself out, go figure it out. But for me, it's enough that I know that it's a lie. It's a lie. I know it's a lie because I can see the way they're behaving is consistent with what liars do, not with what people who are seeking truth do. The very fact that they shut down the ivermectin, the hydroxychloroquine, and all these other things, they, they shut those things down when they're having tremendous amounts of efficacy all over the place. They shut all that stuff down. Why? Because you can't have that if you're going to have an EUA and you're going to have you're going to push this stupid vax crap. You can't have it. So whether or not it's completely true or not true, I don't know. But and then you have to you got the second issues of whether or not you have to get a prescription to even have these things. Again, total control system, preposterous and asinine. If we are free, I wouldn't have to go get a permission slip from my father or my mother or my little doctor to allow me to ingest something I think is going to help me. That's idiotic. Oh, controlled substance. Oh, it's controlled substance. Well, they don't have any right to control substances that I want to take. They have no authority to control substances I think might make me healthier. It's idiotic. And so every single step of the thing is just a 100% corrupt deal. Every single part of it. And I am interested to know, like, I mean, what is causing the sickness? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, pe- people are saying, like, oh, you know, I can't smell or taste for a month. I'm just like, okay, well, something's causing it. But I, right. I've, I've ordered enough books about germ theory to know that, like, communicable disease is total bullshit. So that leads me to believe vaccines are total bullshit which i've already been down the red the the vaccine red pill path for fucking years but it's like now they're presenting us with this vaccine this gna this dna rna fucking alter altering substance that's like gonna turn us into god knows what i mean like i don't go off the deep end it's like we're gonna buy chimeras and all this other bullshit but i mean like it's obviously doing something i mean the various database system is being overrun with fucking reports but what i think is really interesting is something that you put out there is that like 70 percent of these have to be placebos or else there'll be no control i mean like it would just yeah have to be this the vast majority of the uh, doses have to be placebo i'm 100 percent convinced of that there's not any doubt in my mind about that um nobody who has long-range goals like they do which is to habituate people to taking these uh, jabs all the time and to being inside some kind of medical id digital system would ever uh, give people a seriously dangerous product uh, by the hundreds of millions of billions in doses, never do it. And um, no kind of medicine, vaccine, anything else um, is safe enough with such a small amount of sampling they had beforehand to risk it. It's just not. Because if you have a catastrophe with the thing initially, it's over. You're all your plans. And these plans have been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Some people think thousands. I think it's probably the same people, but Whatever. They've made tremendous amount of progress in the last couple hundred years, and they would never blow that by trying to get it all in one shot. They would never do that. They would, it would never happen. It would be—it's just totally impossible, so—
And the ins- but the uh, something that would give people pause is like the incentive program. When has anybody ever won five million dollars to take a fucking like flu vaccine right. or you know whatever the fuck? It doesn't make I mean, any sense. People yeah. out of sheer self-preservation, if they thought it made sense, they'd do it. I've said again and again, look, if if masks and social distancing and and, and closing businesses and all this stupid crap, if, if it was effective, there wouldn't be any pushback. There would be no pushback. <laughs> People aren't pushing back against self-preservation. They're pushing back against insanity and tyranny. They're not pushing back against trying to not get sick. Nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants to get sick, but there's also... Every, most people who are rational know, to the most part, you're either going to get sick or you're not. There, there's not really a lot you can do. You can take a few kind of careful steps and that's it. And beyond that, you need to live your life because there's all sorts of diseases out there you might catch at any time. And the sheer idiocy and inconsistency of all the things they're ignoring with the obesity and all the different diseases and people starving to death and everything all uh, the alcoholism the abuse the every every increase in uh, unemployment it's very traceable to all sorts of different problems that kill people and put people in prisons and ruin lives and destroy families it's it's so inconsistent it makes no sense everybody can see that that's the situation and the people who are, who are reluctant they see that and that's why they don't appreciate it it's not like it may or may not add some tiny incremental amount of safety maybe it does maybe it doesn't the the evidence is is certainly not compelling there's there's tremendous evidence that wearing a mask all the time is not good for you and certainly putting them on kids and all it's just insanity and the people they don't like it. They don't want to be. They don't want this crap shoved down their throats. That's all. What do you think the percentage of people who are like, I'm never gonna take this thing? Because I was speculating with Cheney. I was just like, well, you know, they say right now it's fifty fifty, but I know a lot of people that have gotten the first dose but not the second dose because they got the first dose and like holy fuck i'm not taking the second one if the first one was that bad and that's really interesting because you know one of my friends she was trained to become a teacher and so she was an assistant and she said all the teachers went at the same time to go get their vaccine or they had someone come to the school they had to call the rest of the week off of school because all the teachers were bedridden they were so fucking sick but then i know a lot of people are like oh yeah i took my shot it's completely fine so i mean it lends more credence to the placebo thing but I think I think the actual percentage of what we're looking at right now is like 30% unvaxxed. And then they're talking about plans where they're going to offer people $5,000, $10,000 to take the vaccine, like a government official program that could incentivize people. And I'm just like, dude, if that's going to be rolled out, how many people are going to turn down 10 grand? Where our numbers of resistance are probably looking like 5 to 10% at that point. Yeah, I, I think it's really hard to know how many people are truly so-called never vaxxed. Like that, that's that's why I got so much grief about that show. I think there's a lot of people who think they're never vaxxed, but you're not really going to be never vaxxed. You're you're extremely anti-vax, and, and that's what I am. I'm just extremely anti-vax. But look, even the vaccine itself, even if it was designed to try to kill people, it's not going to kill everybody. I mean, you can't. It doesn't even work. And so. Um, to me, it's right back to the same thing, which is they're just going to keep tightening the news. They're going to keep ratcheting it down, and you're going to get lots and lots of people who are going to give in. Just huge numbers of people every time you uh, go through it. If you made it such that you can't get any Medicare or Medicaid, um, how many people would take it? You'd get a lot of people. What if you just cut off all uh, uh, government benefits? 
to people who don't? Well, you get a lot more people. What if you just say private insurance stops doing it? Well, you're going to get a lot more people. What if you, well, what if BlackRock and all these other places who own all the places say, well, you can't rent places here unless you're uh, uh, vaxxed? You're going to get more people. You, you just do the school, more people. You just keep going down the list. Every kind of employer, uh, we required here. Okay, well, now what? Well, I quit. And I go, so, okay, well, how many times can you do it? I mean, when you have a family and a life and all this other stuff, you just can't do it. And what are you going to do if this is always the problem to me with the scenario of how oh, I'll just I'll go down in a blaze of glory kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, how's it really going to work? You know, you you wake up and the next thing you know, you have to have a card in order to get into the, let's just say the supermarket. So and that's the last straw. That's it. You can't do anything else. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to the supermarket and you're going to draw a gun. You're going to go in there. You're not going to get food and get out. It's not going to happen. Okay. So you're going to go to the supermarket. You're going to bring a gun. Okay. You're going to go in there. You're going to insist that you're going to take your stuff, kind of a falling down situation where you're just, you want to get a burger or something. You're going to leave. It's not going to work. You, they're going to trail you back to your house. You're going to have a shootout in the parking lot with the police. That, that's not re- None of that's realistic. Average people are not going to do that. It's just never going to happen. And so the way they can institute it creates a situation where they put you into a box where it's, as T.S. Eliot says, it ends with a whimper, not a bang. You're just kind of stuck. And it's like, all right, how many people are just going to put a gun to their head because now they have to take a vaccine? How many people are going to do that? I don't think that's realistic. And how many people are going to barricade themselves in their house? And when wait and then have a shootout with the police. That's not realistic. That's, see, those aren't realistic. I understand wanting to resist what the numbers are. I'd say a good 20-ish, 25% of the people are very resistant to wanting to take it, from what I can tell. Very resistant. I think it, it drops down more and more as you go. But there's a significant number of people... Uh, 10%, I'd say, who are very serious about not wanting to take it, extremely serious about not wanting to take it. And that's still a pretty significant, that's 30 million people. That's not nothing. And mm-hmm. you're not going to see 30 million shootouts. You're not going to see 30 million suicides. You're not going to see 30 million, you know, murder suicides that are kid and their family. Not, not going to happen. If you saw 100, I'd be shocked. And so that's why I'm saying the numbers are so distorted and ridiculous if, if you just slice it down to 1%. Okay, 1%. That's 3.3 million people. You think you have 3.3 million shootouts at the stinking supermarket or, or the, the, the DMV? No, you're not going to have that because most people are sane and they're not going to do that. And so the problem is how do you really resist? And that's why the, the stand has to be you cannot allow them to have these kinds of laws and you can't obey and you can't allow the the people to believe that these things all get decided by some some government chamber and then everybody so-called must uh, comply that that's the only solution because the other ones are not realistic they aren't realistic every time i walk through a scenario like that it demonstrates to people how preposterous these positions are that i'm not going to do it and i'll fight that's not going to happen There's never going to be a situation where millions and millions of people are going to have shootouts with the police. And that's 1%. That's that's not, I mean, that's 1%. Come on. The way you go on the social media, you think it's, you know, 30, 40% of the people. That's absurd. It's never going to happen. Mm. And I I feel like 
the only realistic to chance to never take the vax is to get off grid. And I know you've expressed sentiment. You're like, dude, fuck that. Like, I, well, I'm, I'm not, not doing be, it. I'm not going to be I'm not doing it, but I wish people luck with it. You know what I mean? If yeah. they want to try it, good luck to them. That will buy you significant amount of time, um, I think, because that's such a low-priority person. They're not going to come after them. They'll already have the bulk of the people. But eventually, it's not going to work. And you sure the hell can't so-called build a society and a community and all this crap. It's not a way forward. It's just a way for you to kind of try to live out the rest of your life um, in the least amount of vaccinated for the maximum amount of hassle. Look, if all this shit happens to people who who would be willing to do that, if it actually starts happening, who the hell wants to be around for it anyway? What's there to survive? Some some weird out zombie land with Klaus Schwab running it all. What's there to survive on the fringes of that? I don't understand. There's nothing to rebuild from. There's it's over at that point. It's over at that point, and so. Uh, that's the that to me is the main reason why it's like why am I going to do that? I, I don't want to survive in the tunnels and the fucking sewers and everything. what. It's not that great up here. It's not that great up here. Why do I want to survive in tunnels in order to get back up to a place where everybody's a a vac zombie under some kind of control with five G? That doesn't sound that good to me. So now, like, some people are inevitably going to ask, like, so what? You're just going to take it laying down? You're going to let the the contact tracer come to your front door with a needle, and then they're going to put a gun to your head, and there's, you're just going to let it get stick, stuck in your arm or, you know, whatever the fuck? <laughs> this is what they say every time. That's why I go through. Okay, we're going to find out. They've just required it for the military. Those men are all armed and trained. Let's see how many of them get court-martialed. Let's see how many of them turn into some kind of mutiny. Let's see. That's a great test subjects right there, right? You Those know what guys? I heard is that uh, they're not looking to court-martial anybody, but they're going to apply significant pressure for, for them to take the vaccine. Okay, so well, I mean... They're going to make it miserable until they fucking do so, right? Okay, well, how, let's see how many of them are willing to be dishonorably discharged with no benefits. Let's see. Mm. Okay, because that's the minimum that's going to happen to them. All right, so you've, you've been in the military for 15 years. You're going to take a dishonorable discharge with no benefits to not take the vax? Let's see. And even that's not, that's not, even that's not, because what are they going to come out to? Why would you do it? You leave, you leave the military, you go out, what are you doing? How are you going to get a job as a private contractor? They're all going to require the vax. So, so, so where's the option? See, this is the problem each time. It's like you don't have any options when the system's run like this. Okay, you make a stand. Well, good for you. I'm glad. There you go. Okay, now what? Now what? What are you going to do? You're going to be a cop. Whatever your job is, it all requires it. It all requires it. And so you leave and you become in the private sector, but you're going to have to require it then. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I'll be very interested to see what happens. You're not going to see shootings, mutinies, court martials. It's not going to happen. They'll just say, okay, we'll disarm the discharge and or first of all, they'll just, they'll wreck you. Your career's dead, just like it is in the private sector. It's dead. And so, okay. So you're going you're gonna to live your life uh, with no career, no chances, no future in order to avoid the vax. Okay. Okay. Let, let's see how many people actually start doing it. Oh, your kids can't go to school either. Oh, you can't rent a place. You can't get a mortgage. Oh, okay. 
You're going to live uh, out in the woods somewhere in a shack. It's not going to happen. See, none of that stuff's going to actually happen when you start actually stepping through. What is it going to happen? That's why I always step people through these things in procedural matters. Like, okay, you want to object to that? Well, let's look what you can actually do legally. What are you actually going to face? It's the same thing with this vax. What are you going to actually face? I'm going to fight it every way I can. I'm going to use every kind of system I can come up with. But when it comes down to it, well, then there's no, there isn't any other option. People act like, like I said, it always comes down to the same thing. Let's see how many people really go out in some blaze of glory gunfight when the police come. Let's see. Let's see how many people are rigging their homes with shotguns to blast the people. It, it's not going to happen. That's all. It's not going to happen. So, And something Deborah Tavares talks about, I'm not... I don't know if you don't know. Uh, I've heard about the name. Her research. I probably read her stuff or something, but I, I can't recognize what her position is. She talks all about like how you know the military has these direct energy weapons and uh, ground penetrating radar and like all of this stuff. It's like even if you do want to rig up your house with some kind of explosives or a shotgun, where as soon as you open the door, it blasts a fucking shell right through or something like that. It's like all right, well, dude, they'll they have uh, an Apache helicopter. They'll fucking completely tear down your house to smithereens in two seconds and like oh you're never gonna win you're you're just committing suicide by cop that's all you're doing that's it that's all you're doing how see how many people really want to commit suicide by cop it's not it's not gonna happen that's all it's not going to happen i know it for a fact i'd bet everything i have on it it's not going to happen that's all most of these people who want to do they have kids Oh, okay. So they're just gonna they're gonna kill cops and blow themselves up, and that's the that's the legacy you're gonna leave their kids. That's not gonna happen. They're gonna kill their kids. They're gonna they're gonna kill their kids and commit suicide. They're gonna leave their kids. What are the choices? This is this is not. There is no way around the fact that if you don't dismantle the system that's that's implementing this, then you don't really actually have any options. That's why I always go back to the fact that the only chance we have is opening people's minds to the fundamental problem because that's the only actual solution. Everything else is fantasy. It's bluster. It's horse shit. It's the Trump's coming back to save us. It's we're going to go up there and arrest Bernie or Hillary or some crap. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. You have to deal in reality. I think the kids angle is such an important one because that's the one that's going to get most people right now. They're already pushing on like CNN and shit because the propaganda report, which are well, uh, very well familiar with. Oh yeah. And they've, been talking a lot about lately these stories where they're saying oh kids death from covid is on the rise unvaccinated parents are spreading it at the home and so Mm -hmm. i'm just like that opens the floodgates for them to be like well is it morally justified for us to step inside the home and take the child because these unvaccinated parents are clearly presenting a very big risk to their children sure well of course and and well, you've got, I think you have a second problem with all of those things, and that is every one of these things assumes that you have a husband and a wife who are in agreement. <laughs> what if your wife doesn't agree with this or your husband doesn't agree? What do you think is going to happen then? Well, one, you're going to land in family court way before any of this crap happens. My husband, he's threatening to, you know, kill us or go. You're going to lose your kids. You're going to risk that? No way. You have to have a unified front. One of the easiest things in the world to do is to, 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 to divide a group. You drive a wedge. This is a very standard thing anybody would do. You drive a wedge whenever you have a group like that. 
That's what you do. So right there, you've got to have agreement that the, that the husband and the wife are both okay with, with taking the kids and going on some perpetual road trip that can end violently. That's not going to happen. That's not realistic. The number of people who are in agreement about something like that and really when the chips are down are going to do it, pff, give me a break. That's, that's not even 1%. No way. Zero. What about the grandparents? <laughs> brothers, sisters. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's, it's just social media nonsense where the people, they can take these positions that sound so, so tough and good and extreme, but when you try to actually apply them into the real world, they don't work. They don't work. That's all. It doesn't mean I'm calling those people's liars. I'm not. I'm saying they haven't thought it through. Th- that's all. They just haven't thought it through. It's, it's no different than this, the, the, the dumbass who, who cooks up some robbery plot and gets in there and realizes this is a bad idea. We didn't think about this. Now we're screwed. And then you got dog day afternoon where you got a long standoff. It's like, well, what are you going to do? Well, I, don't know, I guess ultimately you end up, most of them they end up surrendering. They don't run out there like the end of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, just go out and blaze of glory. Most people don't do it. They give up. That's it. And I'm just saying, be realistic about it and don't blow your entire life up uh, before you do, you exhaust every possible remedy. You use everything you can. That's why I make a podcast. That's why you're involved. It's why people do it is because the only chance we have is to get people to wake up to the real system. That's it. What do you think about the possibility that um, China's starving us out? And you know what? I, I don't like <laughs> even going down this China. road. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Because like, I, I, I do think... Like, I made a podcast at the beginning of this, like, in May of last year, calling this a hoax, like, just fucking objectively analyzing the data, and I'm just like, dude, the whole thing that this is out of China, I'm like, that's total bullshit, I'm like, this is like, Russia is coming to corrupt our democracy 2.0, but like, uh, the Grimerica Outlawed, you've done a show over there, and uh-huh. they've had several guys on talking about like the ccp and things like this and you know the supply chain issue is a real is a real thing in my opinion like they're just keeping their shit they're not sending it over here there's there's all of these shortages and obviously they're contrived but i mean like real people on the ground are starting to notice like fuck dude my favorite restaurant that i go to doesn't have the supplies to keep the doors open right now my buddy just got fired from his job because they just don't have like enough supplies coming in or enough food to keep the doors open and so it's just like well is this a systematic like starving out of the existing empire i don't know i mean is 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 there if there's a plan if there's a plan like that um, it's certainly not because China is our enemy. It's all the same behind the scenes. Um, all these supply chain issues where they're very fragile, those things have been a problem. They've been increasing the fragility of every supply chain for 50 years, and it's just getting ridiculous. At this point now, you've got the situation, I've brought it up to other people, where it's like, well, you have you know, one plant somewhere in, you know, in the Philippines that makes this thing. And if you don't have that thing, well, then you can't have these other things. And then they have a so-called labor problem at that one place. And the next thing you know, there's a supply chain collapse of dominoes as it goes down. It's, it's always the same. They, they love this fragility. They run around 
pretending like it's a problem while they continue to increase it because it's a great way to apply pressure. And are they are they doing it intentionally? I don't know. It sure is nice when you've got a piece of shit government like we do to have an enemy like China. Oh, China. Point the finger at China. It's great to be able to point the finger somewhere else. And and so are the people in government this stupid? Lots of them probably are this stupid. Are the people who are actually in charge this stupid? No, they're not stupid at all. Uh, they've got people working around the clock, getting paid huge money, whose entire job is to model these things out with supercomputers. And so anything happening like this is not an accident. It's not unforeseen. It's all planned. What they plan to do with it, who knows? But I, I just, I, I go back to my same thing, which is, Anytime you see something happening in the news, you have to understand that within a few weeks, months, or years, they always break down. That it's the stuff's forgotten about, but people who go back and look find out, oh, yeah, well, actually, they weren't doing this. They didn't know that. And it turned out that none of it was true. It always turns out the same. It's never true. And so you have to know that whatever they're saying now in the present, that's not true. That, that's always the case because it doesn't matter that you can't see it. It doesn't matter that you can't figure out what's wrong with the, uh, the narrative. It's enough to know that the narrative is not true. If they're out there pushing it as a narrative, then it's not true. And the exact details of why it's not true, well, we don't know yet, but because it's not history. But give it a few months, give it a couple years, and then you'll see and wait till the documents so-called get declassified after they're no longer there. And someone does a FOIA 15 years from now and it happens to pop up. And then we see it. Well, there you go. Then it'll all start coming out then. And until then, everybody will run around and claim that the system is what they're being told in the newspapers and all the stupid books they'll write about it, analyzing all the same bullshit made of facts. And and that's why it's just so difficult to always remember that's the way every single one of these things goes. Every single one of them. The only reason people are unaware of that is because they've never looked into it. That's it. That's the only reason they're unaware of it. And at the end of the day, I mean, all of these world leaders are, you know, puppets on strains i mean like yes. come on like like right. what xi jinping is just like yeah slowly but surely we're gonna infiltrate america and all this right. stuff it's silly but i just i just thought like you know they do make all of our shit and they're sure. just, it seems like they're just holding on to it and you know it's it well how can like they be our enemy starved out. how can they be our enemy if they're our enemy why do we allow our enemy to hold these 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 positions that can mm-hmm. that can screw us so easily doesn't make any sense. If they're our enemy, why do we get rare earth minerals from? Why do they we allow them to build everything we need? If they can bring us to our knees without a war, then we're not treating them like an enemy. So none of it makes any sense. And as usual, whatever's going on with politics, these guys are easily replaceable, fungible items. And again, I just go back to you have to walk yourself through the actual procedure. If you're a position... You're holding a position of a, as a like a, a leader in the state or some high level government position, and somebody approaches you and, and requests you do something you think's unethical. Blah blah blah. What's your option? What's your option? They're gonna they're gonna bribe you. They're gonna hit you with a carrot and a stick. Okay, at the same time, they're gonna say we're gonna give you a bunch of money, such and stuff. If you don't play ball, then your next thing you know, you're gonna have some problems, and they'll bring up some pictures of you fooling around and some vacation your wife doesn't know about or some drug use or some crap from your kid and make some shit up doesn't matter they will have a carrot and a stick and they will say there's 50 guys waiting to take your place you'd be happy to do what we're asking so what are you gonna do 
<laughs> what are you going to do in that situation? And the problem is there is no answer to that because you will have bad people. The only answer is you can never have people in positions to make those decisions for large groups of people because they will always be corrupted using those exact same systems. That's why it has to be decentralized because it's not a matter of getting the right people in there. You will always have that problem. Carrot, stick, force you into a situation you don't like. What are you going to do? Oh, you're going to be the big man. You're going to say no. You're going to stand up to corruption. Well, guess what? They're, you're going to get killed, and they're going to say that you were. They're going to. They're going to find you, and they're going to put a noose around your neck, and they're going to throw some kitty porn in front of you, and some drugs around, and they're going to say this is what the man did. Oh, this is this is your big hero, and they're going to shame you and everything else. The same reason that Rommel took the suicide pill because they said, look, you know, you don't do this then we're not going to take care of your family. But if you do it like this, then we treat your family well. And that's the system they use every time. And virtually nobody can resist it because there's no point resisting it. Because if you resist it, what happens? They just kill you, bring in another person, and they do it. That's it. You don't, you don't shut the thing down. That's what the movies are about, to, to pretend, oh, and then they had a Senate hearing, and oh, and they shut up, got the corruption. It's all bullshit. And that's not the way things actually work. It's not the way things actually work. And that's why all these fantasies and stuff about China being a problem, everything's a problem. When you have giant centralized governments, that's the problem. That's it. And it's an unavoidable problem. You can never get out of it. I tend to think of a lot of things in the same way that you do, but I, I do at the end at the end of the day I have an immense amount of hope that you know, maybe not in this life, but in the next life, you know, like the work of Dr. Raymond Moody with like the life review and all of that cool ass shit that like near death experience research sure. and thousands of cases from there, like what let's let's end it with that. What do you think about you know, like the spiritual warfare dynamic or like uh, just spirituality in general? Yeah, I think it's an important question. I'm 100 I'm percent on that side. And that's the whole reason that uh, I'm not in favor of making bad decisions for me. I try to do the right thing, not because I think it's really ultimately going to change the scope of whatever's going on here, but it's, it's going to change my destiny ultimately. And you know, however many times it takes for me to be here and make mistakes. I joke all the time that um, I was probably uh, some kind of government employee in the past because I can spot scams so well. I used to be a scammer in multiple lifetimes. I probably did all this stuff because I just the stuff jumps out at me. And I, I just can't stand it now for that reason that, you know, ultimately, whatever this material existence is we're going through as a so-called individual you know, it seems very important to us at the time, and it's the only thing we can really experience right now as a practical matter. But um, this idea that we're going to win in the end, I'm not even so sure about that. I think in a macro sense, the idea that things are screwed up is probably not true. I don't even know how it could be true. To say that things are screwed up would mean that somehow whatever's in charge of this, the universal consciousness or something, has somehow made a mistake that I'm in charge of rectifying. I don't believe that. That doesn't make any sense. But it does, doesn't foreclose the idea that the individuals operating within there are each advancing at different levels and that you can help yourself out. And that, of course, we could, as individuals, make a lot more progress in certain ways. It gets offset in other ways, but I'm a 100% believer in 
the fact that this is not the first time I've been here and unfortunately not going to be the last time I suspect I've got a lot more progress I got to make. And so I agree in doing the right thing to the extent I can come up with what that is to the extent that what it is. And that's mostly the non-aggression of principle and trying to be a decent human being to other people, um, not to be a greedy piece of crap like we see. And that's one of the main reasons that I make the show is even though I'm not sure that we can really make a difference in the overall trajectory at this point, um, I do think every individual has a right to hear the truth and then to make their own decisions. You get to hear the truth and then you can decide what you want to do with it. If you want to continue down the road, well, then you get to continue down the road. And if you want to, you want to change directions, well, then you get to change directions. And, you know, the having to live with the lie, the fundamental lie, um, ultimately probably doesn't matter. But for me, I personally think it's important that people be able to get to hear the truth. Yeah, you know, I think in uh, my last lifetime, I must have taken the vaccine more in a double mask because I'm not <laughs> about that shit at all. Right, yeah. <laughs> but legal men, dude, this has been what my high school football coach calls a barn burner, dude. I'm glad. We just, we just fucking laid it all out there, man. <laughs> I, I, I really don't think how you, how could you stand up to the arguments we were throwing out there tonight. I mean, you just couldn't. So yeah. I thought it was a great show, man, and I'm really happy you came on. If you have anything to throw out there right now, like your movie, if you want to talk about that real quick or. Oh, no, I, uh, you know, we got pushed. And so that's the way it goes. And, uh, um, you know, we're hoping that, that the thing doesn't get shut down in Mississippi, et cetera. But we're doing our best to get it organized at this point. But, yeah, I've had a really good time. I always enjoy going on shows with like-minded people. And, uh, you know, you're, you're a good guy and you got a good show. And I, I've really enjoyed it. Kick ass, man. We'll, we'll hope to have you back on sometime in the future. Absolutely. Just let me know. All right. Take care, man. Take care. See you.